Welcome back to another episode of Lady Your Scareness. I'm Hillary. I'm Taylor. And I got a story for you. It's gonna this is probably gonna be a bonus episode. It's pretty short, but a bony? A, no. I told you. I like it. We're not calling it that. We're gonna call it a boner. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got a bony. <laughs> no. It's pretty short, but there's a lot of terrible, terrible thing. Heads up. A lot of child abuse. Fuck, Hillary. What is it with you and child abuse? Don't say it like that. I I don't know. You'd be pulling out some ones where I'm going. So we're gonna talk about the Williams family. Okay. What about the Williams family? Well, first of all, their names are Larry and Carrie. I hate that. Yeah. Larry and Carrie Williams lived in Cedro Woolley, Washington. Larry worked as a millwright for Boeing, and Carrie stayed home to homeschool their children. They had seven kids, and they wanted more, but Carrie's last pregnancy left her unable to have any more. Well, Carrie attended a woman's retreat run by a ministry called Above Rubies, and during the retreat, they spoke about adopting children from Liberia. Liberia. Yeah. That's in Africa, West Africa. Thank you, because I don't know. I know. It had become somewhat of a trend in the mid-2000s for evangelical Christians to adopt needy children into their already large families. They felt like it was a duty of their faith to rescue children that needed a good home and then homeschool them according to a conservative Christian curriculum. Right. Other families that the Williams knew from their church had adopted as many as eight children into their already big-ass families. We're talking Duggars with adoption. Sounds like it. Because they couldn't have any more children, Carrie and Larry wanted to do the same thing. So in 2008, they contacted Adoption Advocates International, which was a secular adoption agency. They informed Carrie that there were two orphaned children in Ethiopia that needed a loving home. One of the children was actually deaf, and Carrie had studied American Sign Language before getting married, so it seemed like the perfect match. My first thought was like, do they do they speak American Sign Language in Ethiopia? Ah. Uh... I guess it's universal. Anyway, I guess she thought it would work out. Huh, okay. So... Carrie and Larry were shown a one-minute heart-wrenching video clip of seven-year-old Emmanuel, who was deaf, and 11-year-old Hannah, who was underweight at only 77 pounds. The Williams family filled out all the necessary paperwork and completed the home study. Emmanuel and Hannah were living in the Kadane Moret Orphanage in the Ethiopian capital of Addis Ababa. They had both been abandoned at an early age, and they weren't siblings, but they were excited to be adopted together yeah. and become siblings in America. Right. So Hannah and Emmanuel would arrive that same year in 2008. In the months after, AAI, the adoption agency, received all of the post-adoption reports, updating them on the children. And everything sounded like it was going great. Hannah had even reached a healthier weight of 105 pounds. But in June 2009, they suddenly stopped getting any reports. The adoption agreement stated that Carrie and Larry would continue to send reports throughout the children's life, but it wasn't technically, they weren't technically under any legal obligation to follow them. Back when the Williams had filled out the initial adoption paperwork, the agency apparently missed the fact that Carrie had left one section of the paperwork blank. And it was the part about their beliefs on discipline. Okay. Larry and Carrie Williams believed in a strict fundamentalist Christian lifestyle. Spare the rod, spool the child. They homeschooled their children. Almost all television and internet access was prohibited, which whatever. These days. It's probably a good thing. Right. They believed that women should only wear skirts or dresses and not wear swimsuits. And again, whatever to that. The children were were rarely seen in public and only social, socialized with a select few like-minded families, which doesn't also sound uncommon for, mm. you know, that little group. Those people. When it came to discipline, the Williams adhered to the teachings of a controversial book called To Train Up a Child by Michael and Debbie Pearl. The book basically said that the principles and techniques for training an animal and raising a child were the same. So you raise a child the same way you train an animal. Mm -mm. (laughs) 
No. It instructed parents to begin spanking their children within the first few months of birth to break their will. Yeah. First Babies? Infants. Okay. To break their will. Stupid fucking idiots. Okay. One quote from the book is, A child properly and timely spanked is healed in the soul and restored to a wholeness of spirit. A child can be turned back from the road to hell through proper spankings. Okay. No further comment. Nah, just people are stupid. Apparently, this book was extremely popular with fundamentalist Christians, and according to the author, it sold almost seven hundred thousand copies within the first years of it being published. Um, Also, the Pearl's No Greater Joy Ministry generated upwards of one point seven million tax-free dollars per year. Righteous gemstones, money. (laughs) I don't. Just yeah, I could. I guess I could. I guess I can see people spending that money because it is righteous gemstone money. It is going to be like, oh well, he said it, so it's got to be true. It's got to be true. It's got to be true. We got to spank our newborns. They can't be crying like that. Mm-mm. Break that wheel. Fuck. Okay. The book also taught parents to withhold food and put children under under a cold outdoor garden hose as punishment. <laughs> hose them off in the backyard. With a cold hose. Mm-hmm. If they do something wrong, take them out. Take them out back, spray with a hose. Are we still talking about newborns? I hope not. Because that would be like a waterboard. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, technically, it could be considered waterboarding. I mean, I could think of worse worse things than being sprayed with a cold hose, but... Well, friends and neighbors of if the... If we're talking newborns, that's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Okay. Friends and neighbors of the family started noticing that Hannah and Emmanuel were often absent from public family gatherings, outings, holidays, trips to town or church. And when they did bring the kids to church with the rest of the family, one of the parishioners that knew sign language would attempt to sign with Emmanuel, but either Carrie or Larry. Barry. <laughs> Jerry. One of the one of them would like quickly take him away so he didn't have a chance to really communicate with the person. Neighbors also noticed that the seven biological children would be outside actively playing together in front of the house, but then Hannah and Emmanuel would be like standing alone off to the side, just kind of staring down at their feet. Daily punishments had begun almost immediately after the children were adopted. Most of the time, Emmanuel and Hannah had no idea why they were being punished. It could have been for standing in the wrong place or getting an answer wrong on their schoolwork. They, they never really knew. There was never a good reason. A few months after arriving in the United States, Emmanuel began wetting the bed just from kind of it's traumatic being ripped from Mm -hmm. where as happy as it may be that you're getting adopted. It's still traumatic to be ripped out of your home, sent to a whole new country environment, put with strangers. Yeah. Well, he began wetting the bed. Right. Carrie and Larry were convinced that he was doing it on purpose. So he would be taken outside, given a shower with the cold hose and then sent to sleep in a dark room. Hannah had hepatitis B and that infuriated Carrie and Carrie would would accuse her of purposefully smearing blood on the bathroom walls. Because of this, they wouldn't allow Hannah to use the bathroom in the house. They put a porta potty out back and it was filthy and only serviced twice a year. Yeah, because that's healthy. Okay. Right? Hannah also had like really beautiful braided hair and she was really proud of it. One day, Hannah was told to cut the grass. And when she finished, Carrie thought the grass was cut shorter than she wanted it. So as punishment, she shaved Hannah's head. Are you fucking joking? And she did that on two other additional occasions. I'll shave her fucking head. So Stupid bitch. The punishments came straight from the book to train up a child to shave their heads who is this fucking guy they the punishments also included beatings with a piece of plastic tubing sometimes it could be a belt a flexible stick other common forms of punishment that the Williamses adhered to from the book included denying food denying clothes forced outdoor sleeping and cold outdoor showers so like if hannah didn't really like what her mom had picked out for her to wear she just wouldn't give hannah any clothes she'd make her walk around in a towel 
The Williams' biological children were punished too, but of course, never to the same severity. Of course not. Of the adopted children. The adoptive children were fed different meals than the biological children. The other kids would be having sandwiches, but Hannah and Emmanuel would get sandwiches too, but Carrie would pour a glass of water over at first. So they'd get a soggy ass sandwich while they're real I shouldn't say real children. Their biological children got good sandwiches. They would also get like the cold leftovers from the meals or they would get unheated frozen vegetables. And almost always the two children were forced to eat outside while everybody else ate inside. And this was regardless of whether it was cold, raining, snowing, blistering hot. Hannah and Emmanuel had to eat outside. Because... They didn't know. Okay. So in the three years that Hannah lived with the Williamses, she went from sleeping alone in the barn behind the house to being locked inside a bathroom with no light to eventually being kept in a four foot by two foot closet for up to 24 hours at a time. Larry would record Bible sermons and religious music and play them outside the closet, outside the closet the entire time. So she couldn't sleep. Kind of like Carrie's mom from Carrie. What is happening? They just did this just because. They felt they were bad or something. On Wednesday, May the 11th, 2011, Carrie made Hannah go into the backyard as one of her daily punishments. It was raining and the temperature was in the mid 40s. So, you know, not freezing, but when it's raining, that's going to make it even colder. And Hannah was only wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And when she complained that she was cold, Carrie made her do jumping jacks to stay warm. After a few hours of being alone outside, Carrie went to the back door and grabbed Hannah by her arm to lead her to the outhouse behind the barn. But Hannah kept falling like she just couldn't. You know, she'd been doing jumping jacks standing out in the cold, wet rain. She just couldn't. Mm -hmm. That pissed Carrie off. And she thought Hannah was doing it to get attention. So Carrie just left her laying outside in the yard. Hours later, when Hannah and her clothes were soaked, Carrie put out dry clothes on the back porch and yelled at her to come inside. When Hannah didn't return, Carrie called her two older sons and gave them a piece of plastic tubing and told them to hit Hannah for not following orders. And the boys did it because kids just do what they're told. But then Hannah started removing her clothing and Carrie called him back inside. By 5 p.m., Hannah was throwing herself down on the pavement, the driveway and the grass. Her knees and hands were getting all bloody and Carrie just watched from inside the warm house and eventually she just turned away and ignored her, Hannah for the rest of the evening. At m- around midnight, the other, the seven biological kids watched Hannah at the window who had removed all of her clothes and was still throwing her body around like in fits. She was wallowing around on the ground, pounding her head into the ground and what was happening is Hannah Hannah was experiencing paradoxical undressing, which occurs in the final stages of hypothermia. Okay. Back to one of our previous episodes. Some people think that happened to the Dialov group, and that's why some of them were missing clothes because they were going through paradoxical undressing. I don't buy that. Something happened to them, like a Yeti. <laughs> there was a Yeti, and you know it. So what happens during the paradoxical undressing is the muscles that help with vasoconstriction, so constriction of your veins, they get tired and they kind of fail. So they're dilated almost, the veins. So all this warm blood is rushing all over you. So like, you know, when you get flushed and you feel really, really, really hot, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what happens. So that's what causes them to undress because they feel hot. All that warm blood is rushing through them into the surface. So that's what was happening to her. When Hannah finally stopped moving, one of the daughters called their mom to come check on her. Hannah was face down in the yard and Carrie was just mad because Hannah was naked. So she grabbed a bed sheet and threw it on her and told the boys to drag her inside the house. Carrie called Larry as he was driving home from work and then she called 911. And this is how the call went. Carrie said, I think my daughter just killed herself. She's really rebellious and she's been outside refusing to come in and she's been throwing herself all around. And then she collapsed. The 911 operator said, is she breathing? Carrie said, I don't think so, no. So the operator said, well, how old is your daughter? 
And Carrie said, I don't know. We adopted her almost three years ago. And the operator said, you don't know how old she is. And Carrie said, she's somewhere between the ages of 14 and 16. She was throwing herself all over the ground, the yard, the patio. We went to bring her in. My sons tried to carry her in and she took her clothes off. She's very passive aggressive. I don't know how to describe it. Sounds like all of your children need to be taken away from you, is what it sounds like. During the call, Carrie sounded more annoyed than saddened or shocked. The 911 operator coached Carrie through CPR, but it was no use. Hannah was gone. The postmortem examination of Hannah's body showed that she was abnormally thin for 13 years old. At five feet tall, she had went back down to 76 pounds. So she was lighter. She was thinner than she was before they got her from Ethiopia. That's fucking awful. The official cause of death was hypothermia compounded by malnutrition. She also had a stomach infection. It was determined that her body was too thin to retain any heat the day she died, which of course led to the hypothermia. So as where you and I, we may not, you know, succumb hypothermia that quick out there. No, I'm a thick girl. <laughs> but Hannah, unfortunately. That's... And in that same... The hand, mom needs to be shot. And in the, that same kind of thing, her being that mal malnourished, anything, like if she would have gotten sick, anything would have been detrimental to her. When Child Protective Services knocked on the door of the Williams home the next day, Larry refused to let them in. Two weeks after Hannah's death, the entire family was interviewed by detectives and CPS. All the children gave the same story, which was an obviously coached story. They said Hannah was rebellious and possessed by demons. Bitch, you're possessed by a demon. When Emmanuel, the adopted brother, was interviewed, he told detectives, people like Hannah got spankings for lying and go into the fires of hell. So he's fucking brainwashed. When Larry heard Emmanuel say that, he immediately stopped the interview and took all the kids home. Somehow, two months went by and no charges were brought up against the Williamses. Eventually, CPS started working with detectives and they opened a formal investigation. All eight of the Williams children were taken into foster care. And during a search of the house, police found a copy of the book to train up a child. And that book has been linked to other children's deaths Wow! as well. Not really surprised. Right. So even after he had been in foster care for months and months, Emmanuel was still afraid. Even though he had a good foster parents, he would apologize for every mistake he made. And he would even ask his foster mother why she wasn't beating him. He told his therapists of repeated nightmares and he constantly worried that he would die. Emmanuel was diagnosed with PTSD. In September, more than four months after Hannah's death, Carrie and Larry were arrested on charges of homicide by abuse and first degree manslaughter for the death of Hannah, as well as first-degree assault of a child for the abuse of Emmanuel. They each faced a potential life sentence. Both of them posted bail of $150,000 each, but they were given strict no-contact orders for any of their children, either directly or through third-party means. Good. But Larry would send the kids highlighted Bible verses, and the prosecutors thought that it could have been like either threats or coded messages encouraging them to defend him, you know? So when they found that out, Larry was arrested again and he was placed in the jail where he remained for almost two years as he waited for trial. Okay. So at the trial, Carrie and Larry turned on each other. Really? They sat at opposite tables. They wouldn't look at each other in the eye. Larry said the discipline was all at the hands of Carrie, while Carrie said her discipline was at the instruction of her husband. But Carrie did admit that she told the children not to talk to detectives about any of the abuse. Larry testified that he trusted his wife's discipline choices with the adopted children because she had done such a good job raising their other children. So he was like, I was just doing what she said because she's such a good mama. None of the mother children were fucking eating outside in the hot and the cold. They weren't trapping them in closets. 
they weren't doing any of that. Carrie said that her husband was an equal participant and even came up with methods of his own. She also testified that Larry was the one that installed the lock on the closet door that Hannah stayed in. The biological children admitted that they were coached to tell authorities that Hannah slept in the bedroom with them when she really slept in that tiny locked closet. The jury was shown the closet that she slept in and were shown pictures of the scars on Hannah's body from repeated beatings. One of the Williams children confirmed that Hannah had not been homeschooled or eaten meals with the other children for at least a year before her death. The children told the court that that Hannah would sometimes go two days without anyone speaking to her. Emmanuel testified using sign language, and when they asked what he thought happened to Hannah, he said, I don't know. She disappeared. I think maybe she's dead. He also testified that he was also beaten with a stick or plastic tubing until blood ran down his face. (laughs) He told the court, I would suffer with pain until it went away. During the trial, the defense tried to argue that Hannah was actually 16 years old rather than 13, because if she was 16 at the time of her death, the homicide by abuse charge wouldn't be applied because it only applies to kids under the age of 16. Since there was no documentation of her birth from Ethiopia that proved her age, the trial was postponed and they had to exhume the poor girl's body to be examined. Like that's like she couldn't even rest. You know, the defense had to bring up that stupid ass thing and have her exhumed so they could test her teeth and her bones. And those tests were inconclusive and they couldn't confirm that she was 16. The defense also said that Larry and Carrie may have been bad parents and their choices were bad, but they weren't killers and had no idea that their form of discipline would lead to any child's death. Mm, I feel like it's possible that they could, they themselves are brainwashed into believing that, that what they're doing is not torture. I but guess. There's a line, I think. After seven weeks of testimony, the jury didn't agree with the defense, and both Larry and Carrie were convicted of first-degree manslaughter and first-degree assault. Carrie was also found guilty of homicide by abuse and was sentenced to 37 years in prison. Larry was sentenced to 28 years, and he was given credit for the two years he spent in jail for sending the kids the Bible verses. That's not really that long a time. They should both rot. Yeah, they should have gotten life. Mom should have got the death penalty, in my opinion. Hannah was a, not that it would make a difference, but she is a beautiful, beautiful little girl. She was. She was very pretty. I want to see what this bitch looks like. The mom looks like. Well, here's a picture of their asses crying in fucking trial. Mm, The mom looks like a bitch that would do some shit like that. Yeah, look at them. She probably wore a lot of denim. Crying at their he sentencing. He looks a lot older. The dad looks like a lot older. That poor fucking child. I could not imagine. Maybe God said you weren't allowed to have any more children, so he took away that right. Maybe productivity that's why, yeah. for you so that you couldn't have more children because you're fucking terrible people. Good point. Maybe there was a reason God wouldn't let you have any more stupid fucking idiots. All right. Well, sorry. I always have the most. What do you do? It's you just, it's the kids. I know. It's the kids. I'm surprised now that you bring up the brainwashing thing. I'm surprised the defense didn't try to do that for them. Try to say that they were brainwashed by religion in the book. Probably did. I don't know. Didn't mention it. You could fucking cry brainwash for anything. But I mean, it's true. I wonder if their parent, like if they, Larry and Carrie were were raised the same way. Because I'd like to think that I know the Bible somewhat well. I do. I was raised on it. Now, <laughs> where are you? Now, did I astray? Yes. <laughs> I was raised. I still believe in God. I still believe in Jesus. I think that's a whole thing, but I think there's a distinct difference between man-made religion and spirituality. Oh, that was very insightful. Thank you. you. I do have my moments. <laughs> now, I can't stand the man-made religion that it's become, especially mm-hmm. since like the Bible says to dress modestly. It does not say cover your entire body. It doesn't say that women can't do this, but the man-made religion does. 
So that's just like brainwashing. That's what the fuck it is. But people want to put it back on, oh, the spirituality of it itself is the problem. No, it's people, period. Stupid fucking idiots. Well, do you want to climb off your soapbox and answer the yeah, question? I'm down for what the, was episode? the question. I forgot. I didn't say it yet. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I just get a little aggressive. Kayla. Hi, Kayla. Asked one that doesn't have to do with true crime. Okay. She said, what are our favorite books? Taylor can't read, so I'll answer this one. <laughs> I fucking knew you were going to say that. Okay, Good. go ahead. Now you go. No, I need time to think about it. Go ahead. Well, I, my favorite book probably of all time is To Kill a Mockingbird. Ah, Monroeville, Alabama. Been there. I drove through there not too long ago. It really is country. Yeah, I went to every year. They do, because Harper Lee was born in Monroeville, Alabama. Alabama. How about I was on a road trip going on one of my league tournaments and my friend Caroline, who listens to the podcast, we were driving through Flomaton. <laughs> And she was going, the author of Kill a Mockingbird lived here, <laughs> lived here. And I'm going, no, she didn't. She was, yes, I swear. And I mean, every single time we drove, the entire time we drove through Flomaton, that's what she was saying. And when we came home, the entire time we drove through, that's what she was saying. So I pulled out Google, <laughs> bitch. I said, that lady is from Monroeville. Alabama. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's close. Yeah. Same thing. No. They are very small towns in yeah. Alabama, yes. But um, I went to, every year, um, Monroeville does a play to Kill Mockingbird. Very good. They do it at the courthouse. The first scene is outside and do they, they do the whole court scene reenactment inside. It's really good. That's actually really cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll go. I wanted to go this past year, but I didn't. Um, We should go next year. Okay. It was very, very good. Bunch a little bit of talent down there, huh? Mm-hmm. I actually knew uh, the guy that played Atticus. Not to brag. <laughs> yeah. Did you kiss him? No, he's old. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't mean anything. No, he's still, he's still looking. Oh, good looking. Okay. So that's your number one? Yeah. But if you had like a top three, what would the other two be? Mm, I don't know. Okay. Great answer. So, <laughs> hmm. I gotta think about mine. Nowadays, I read a lot. Fiction or nonfiction? Does it matter? I don't think it matters. She just said favorite book. Nowadays, I read a lot of Lisa Jewell and um, Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. <laughs> okay. No. Don't laugh at me. That got me through a lot of dark times. Um, favorite book. I do have to say A Walk to Remember is probably one of my favorites. But that was before the movie. I read it before the movie. Of course you did. Actually, I, I shouldn't say I read it before the movie. I read it before I saw the movie. Because mm. my sister had an obsession with... Um, Shane West? Yeah. Oh, baby. Hell yeah, we all the did. The book is fantastic. Water for Elephants is also really good. Me and Mandy Moore have the same birthday. We're birthday twins. Okay. I read Water for Elephants. My favorite book. I feel like I'm missing something. I really, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big reader, clearly, as I have to sound out things. A Purpose Driven Life is actually really good. Yeah, it just kind of depends. But a book that has, like, made me cry tears is probably a lot to remember. Also a big fan of the Twilight series. (laughs) (laughs) No, the books were good. Books are great. That was probably the only series I ever read. Harry Potter's. Books would probably be my next. I didn't have the patience for that. ADD. But. Illiteracy. Yeah. In illiteracy. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't sound out the big words. <laughs> right. Expecto Patrona. Do you watch the movies? I didn't mm-hmm. think you watched the movies. Yeah, me and Hunter watched them all not too long ago. All of them? Mm-hmm. Also, so, funny story. I've got a robe and everything. Yeah, I have a Slytherin robe and I have a wand. You are Slytherin or you're Ravenclaw? 
I'm not a fucking, I'm Slytherin. That makes fucking sense. Marie says Ravenclaw. Anyway, I have a wand and I was going to Orlando to go to um, Universal for Harry Potter World and do some other stuff. For whatever reason, I was flying. I don't know why. I was being bougie that day, flying to Orlando. And TSA stopped me and they were like, we got to check your bag. They were like, do you have a weapon in your bag? And I was like, I have a fucking wand. Well, that's what it was. They were like, do you have like a knife or anything that would be like sharp or pointy? I said, and they said, I'm sorry. And I said, I have have a a Harry Harry Potter Potter wand. God. I have a Harry Potter wand. And he said, a Harry Potter wand. Keep it down. First of all, lower your fucking voice. But the TSA guy was like, oh, cool. Rips my bag open. Which one? (laughs) I'm like, Narcissa Malfoy. Duh. Was this in the Orlando airport? No. This is in our airport. Okay. Which one? Yeah. So. Oh, uh, yeah. That's like. I should have been like, yeah, I do got a weapon. I feel like I should have a cooler answer for the book, but I really Yeah, that was don't. a pretty basic ass answer. I know. And I hate it. Oh, Water for remember. elephants isn't. No, it was, a, it was a good one. Um, Way better than the movie. I don't remember if I saw the movie. Don't watch it. It's not good. Who's in it? Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Guys in your other favorite book movies. Robert Pattinson. I feel like I should. I'm going to kick myself because I'm going to think about it later and I'm going to be like, God, I wish I had to change my answer. Well, you can say it on the next one. But okay. until then, thanks for listening to us. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at lady underscore you scaring us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.